Well, hello there once more. It is me. Welcome to another Chit Chats with Gitcats. What number are we up to now? 19. They're getting away on us. This is good. Folks, thanks for tuning in. I am going to have a bit of a wee chat with my friend Richard from Hughes and Kettner, who, uh, on top of being a good bloke, is a um, Englishman living in Germany. I'm going to find out what the hell an Englishman is doing living over there and find out all the latest from Hughes and Kettner. Please welcome Richard Morgan. <laughs> hey Rich, how you doing, buddy? Applause or something. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm going Lovely okay, mate. I'm hoping the internet works now because I went to do a live stream this morning with uh, Dale Ryder from Boom Crash Opera, and you kind of need the internet for that. But um, thanks to the Australian government for giving us that MBN. You guys did uh, really well. <laughs> well done, Australia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Richard, an Englishman working for a German company. Yes. How was that? I mean, it, it does happen. I, I'm not the only one. I've met two others during my time over here. And yeah. I am actually German as well. So I've got dual nationality. I can do the lingo, all that kind of stuff. So that sort of helps. But uh, You did tell me that you uh, did some translating of manuals and things along the way. But give us the rundown, mate. How did you end up at Hughes and Kettner? To cut a long story very short, I used to work for a British company in the business called JHS. Not JHS Pedals, John Hornby Skews. And they work with a guy called Trev Wilkinson and many others, including Thomas Blug, on guitar brands like Vintage and Fret King. They have 80 different brands in their product portfolio. They distribute a lot of stuff. I used to work for them as the, uh, as the media relations coordinator. So I worked with artists. I wrote press releases. I hung out and did random stuff. I was at trade shows, that kind of stuff, doing things like this. Two of the brands that JHS distributed back in the day were HK Audio and Hughes and & Kettner. Uh-huh. So I got to know the Hughes and Kettner team through doing that, through being the contact. And I came to St. Wendell here in Germany, where the guys were based, to do product training, stuff like that. It was always cool. They got to know me. We got on pretty well. They're decent guys, most of them. And uh, we had a pretty decent, decent relationship. They realized I could talk German, that kind of stuff. They liked the way I approached work. At some point, I ended up leaving JHS, went back to my previous life, which was a freelance journalist and writer. Met the Hughes and Kettner guys again actually at a toilet at the Frankfurt Music Messe. So we were peeing together, as, as you do in Germany. It's, it's a thing, trust yeah, me. Yeah. And uh, they said, hey, once we've washed our hands, let's go and have a coffee at the Hughes & Kettner stand. And I said, yeah, sure. This was back in 2014, it would have been. And I said, yeah, sure, let's have a coffee. I met the bosses. They said, hey, do you fancy coming across? And we'll see if this works out. And six years later, I'm still here. That's awesome. That's awesome. So That's it's all it about the networking, isn't it? Like if it's anybody all about caught... the toilet networking, guys. Yes, get it, get and it washing your hands. Yeah. And washing your hands. Always wash your hands. Yeah. More important now than ever. Yeah. So yeah. now that you've been working for, for Hughes and Kettner for a while, how, how long? You didn't mention how long you've been with Hughes and Kettner. How long just is that? About si just about six years now. Cool. Crazy. Cool. So you're yeah. well and truly established in there. It's cool. Pretty much a lifer, yeah. Who were some of your favorite artists that you've worked with there, mate? Ah, oh, that's a that's a good question because we've got a very varied sort of range of artists who use the amps. And like I mentioned in the previous story as well, we have a, we have a sister company which is called HK Audio. You can imagine what the HK and HK Audio stands for. And we build PA systems there, so I get to work across both brands and meet artists from both. And across the years, I've done interviews and hung out with a bunch of pretty cool guys. Uh, on the HK Audio side, we had. 
Ian Pace from Deep Purple, the drummer, who uses uh, speakers as drum fills. Cool. And Nico McBrain from Iron Maiden as well. Super cool guy, super nice to interview. And after we chatted with him, we gave him uh, a personalized speaker with the Iron Maiden logo on, which he was going to put in his restaurant. He has a restaurant in America called Rockin' Ribs. Oh, cool. Bizarrely. Yeah, yeah, he lives over there on the East Coast in Florida, I think somewhere. And um, after that, he took us to his warm-up room and just played his warm-up drum set. This was in Luxembourg at the Rock Hole. Told us insane stories for about two hours and then sent us on our way. And that was that was a lot of fun. So those are two guys from the HK Audio side. Moving across to the Amps, I've never met him in person, but Alex Lifeson is probably the one that people think of when they associate Hughes and Kettner with artists. Mm-hmm. Maybe him and Nuno Betancourt from back in the day. That's all before my time, unfortunately. The guys who I've had the biggest pleasure working with over the years I've been there have been guys like Josh Rand from Stone Sour, Tommy Thayer from Kiss, super cool guy, yep. very professional, amazing player, amazing tours, amazing live show. Perry from Pendulum, not really a guitar-based band, but a huge thing, a huge drum and bass deal, and Perry is an amazing guy, a One super player. One of the best, best live shows I've ever seen, man, was Pendulum in a, in a small place in, uh, in Brisbane. An absolute pro, yeah. But I would say actually Hughes and Kettner is more thought of, perhaps unfairly, as a metal amp these days, like maybe because we're blue and shiny and stuff like that. Yeah. And so we've got bands like Of Mice and Men, so Phil Manansela from Of Mice and Men plays our amps. John Brown from Monuments and Ollie Steele from Monuments, they're a, a British kind of gent progressive metal troupe and they have four of our triumphs on stage when they can. Yeah. Black Spirits when they need to do a fly rig or whatever, they're super lovely guys. John's a great YouTuber as well, so you might want to... Uh, Get him on this show at some what, point. What was his name? Sorry, man, I'll take note of that. John Brown. John Brown. Just just Brown, yeah. You must know him. He's a producer no. as well, produced all the all the Monuments records. Okay. Great guy. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the ones that sort of spring to mind, yeah. Yep. History wise. Mm. What where does the Hughes and Kettner story start? The Hughes and Kettner story starts about 40 years ago here in the part of Germany where I'm based in Saarland, which is down near the Luxembourg border, near the French border. We're about two hours from Paris on the train. We're pretty much slap bang in the middle of Europe, geographically speaking. Um, And there were two brothers, Hans and Lothar Stammer, their names are. Lothar was like a crazy physics genius, developing his own PA speakers out of his garage. And Hans was a banker. Okay. Interesting. Which... Yes, he's still a banker today. He's still a financial sort of genius, still looks after that side of everything. Um, And those two started to build speakers together. And the word got out that they were doing very well at building these pro audio speakers for bands to to make their live sets louder. Um, And at some point, they also wanted to go into guitar amplification because it's kind of a natural progression. And they did. And they never really had a decent name for it. And they wanted to come up with something that epitomized i would say the two sides of the hughes and kettner story which is the german let's say engineer side the nerdy side the glasses the physicist side and they also wanted to have like the american sort of rock star side so they knew that they wanted to have two names that fitted the brand perfectly yep so they started going through phone books to find names that would work they settled on hughes pretty quickly for the american one and then they were going through german ones to find something that fitted and it took ages and then suddenly randomly the name Kettner appeared, and it just seemed to fit together, Hughes and Kettner. Yeah. And that's how the name came about. And I don't know. Well, you know the logo because it's on the amp right behind you there it in is, the picture. It is. The, the Hughes and Kettner logo was literally written by Stefan Fischer, who was the third guy 
back in the start of the company days. He yeah. wrote Hughes and Kettner down in his own handwriting, and that is the logo that you can see today. There you go. He, he's still at Hughes and Kettner now as well. So is that if you, right? If you come across, he can write Hughes and Kettner in the official font, which is his untidy handwriting. Yep. Okay. Well, that kind of tells me that it's a good company. The one, downs- people- the one downside of that is that there is no Mr. Hughes and there is no Herr Kettner. You know? <laughs> Lots of people ask about that, but yeah, it is. It does represent the two sides of the yep. brand, pretty much. Yeah, interesting. The German interesting, nerd and the American rock star. I would have always assumed that there was two guys started up with the name Hughes and Kettner, but not the case. Nope. No. Sorry to disappoint you. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, you guys cover a whole bunch of different technologies. Um, you've got your tube amps, which I've heard some mighty amps of yours uh, over the years that I've recorded, actually, in other bands. Um, the, the triaxis, uh, things like that. Uh, you've got the smaller tube amps as well, but you've also got you know solid state. What's this one behind me? The one behind you is the Black Spirit Two Hundred, and, and that's kind uh, of tell us about that technology. Yeah, that's uh, that also sort of relates to the original goal of Hughes and Kettner. So I mentioned Hans and Lothar, the two founding brothers, and I mentioned Stefan Fischer, who's always been in the background, kind of doing strategic kind of marketing and that kind of stuff. The fourth guy in, in this whole thing is a guy called Bernd Schneider. And Bernd is the engineer who has been behind the design of every single Hughes and Kettner amp since day one. Is that right? So he's been with the brand for over 35 years. He's been developing guitar amps for more than 40. Um, and during that time, we've made, like you said, we've done tube amps, we've done modelers, we've done solid state, we've done pretty much everything in between. Uh-huh. And Bernd's kind of his number one challenge and goal over that time has been to produce an amp that, in his mind, brings together, in a way, all the benefits of the three different styles of the the tube, the solid state, and the digital, and brings them all into one analog solution that does everything. And that's what Black Spirit is. 40 years it took him to do it. But that little red box that you can see in the middle of the amp there, if you turn around, just that little red thing in the middle, that's what we call the spirit tone generator. It's a little analog piece of circuitry, which is made here in Germany and is sort of gooped up to keep it a secret what exactly it's doing. Um, And that is the Black Spirit 200 technology. So the amp itself is fairly similar to the Grandmeister, which is a tube amp we do, which is 40 watts, has four channels, has all the effects, all the MIDI, all that kind of stuff. But the Black Spirit is powered by this Spirit technology. So technically it's in between tube and solid state in a way. There's no tubes in there. It's solid state, maybe with a, with a bit of a twist, with some added extra bits and pieces. Yeah. But what Burn really wanted to do was get the world's first tubeless tube amp, I would say, okay. in terms of how the amp sounds, but in terms of how it also feels and responds to your pick attack, to the playing dynamics, to rolling the volume knob up and down, that kind of stuff. Sure. So you said about the, the gooped up electronics in there. Is yep. that part of the, the preamp or is that part of the, the power amp section? Because this is a Class D power amp, isn't it? It is, yes. The yep. Spirit technology is integrated within the whole circuit. The whole so thing. it interacts okay. with every single stage of the amp, cool. right from the input right to the output. Yeah, that's good. I would, if, if anyone wants to see some beautiful graphics that we made about that, go onto our website. On the on the Black Spirit 200 page, you can, you can see a nice little diagram where we show all that stuff. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Now, one yeah. great thing about this amp is that you can actually control it from an iPad. Now, if I press this little button here, we've got a screenshot. Oh, look, there's your face in the corner there. We can still see you. But uh, this is running on my uh, on my Mac, but it's identical to the um, 
iPad app, isn't it? To control it, the amp via Bluetooth. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. Yep. So you can store how many presets in it? We say at first you can store 128 because, you know, MIDI works on this 128 number. But if you're using the iPad app or the app there, you can actually build different libraries and you effectively build as many as you want. Unlimited. Cool. So if anyone out there needs more than 128 different sounds, then enjoy. Go Uh mad. (laughs) I I do have it hooked up and uh, I will have a a little play with it and see if we can come up with a a cool sound. We'll turn some knobs and we all know that presets – everything that's out there when you have presets that they're overdone um it's not the i'm gonna gonna tweak it with you live and see what type of a sound i can get out of it (laughs) but i won't do that just yet i want to talk about some of the other things you got going so um triaxis that's that's your big one isn't it no sorry what's it called that triaxis is triamp 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 that was a bit of a faux pas wouldn't it never heard of a triaxis (laughs) what's that triamp tell us about the triamp mate (laughs) The Triumph is... Is that your flagship one, that, by the way, before I launch into that? It's pre- yeah, it's pretty much a flagship. It's, it's, it's a beast, effectively. Yeah. We're, we're on the Mark III at the moment, so it's gone through three incarnations. The first, the first one must have come out in the mid-late 90s, uh, before my time. Yeah, maybe yep. 97, maybe something like that. People out there on the internet, correct me if I'm wrong. And they but will. the first one... Oh, they're ruthless, merciless, <laughs> the internet are. So, yeah, just be nice about it. Um, the Mark II would have been from the mid-2000s, and there was also a signature version for Alex Liveson. The Mark III was pretty much the first project I worked on when I joined Hughes and & Kettner, and that came out in 20, 2015 at the NAMM show. We, uh, we debuted that. So the Triumph is kind of Bernd Schneider's all-singing, all-dancing amp that can do everything. In okay. some ways, it's, it's not even a practical amp because it is loud you know it's uh, it starts at 50 watts and there's three pairs of power tubes in there that you can bring in it, it goes up to 150 what type it of has power a red tubes box. is that mate is that 6l6s or the l34s well, what, one of the beauties of the triumph is that it fits any power tube that will fit in those sockles can be put in there we cool. we have a technology called tsc tube safety control that automatically sort of biases and looks after the tubes to make sure nothing goes wrong and that makes swapping tubes in and out super easy cool so the triumph mark three ships with three pairs in total two pairs of el34s and a pair of six l6s but you can put in like i said whatever fits so at the moment the hughes and kettner office triumph has kt66s and kt88s in it wow okay and the, and the amp literally has three leds on it similar to the leds on the black spirit there behind you and you literally push them to to bring in or bring out the power tubes wow Wow. Yeah. So you're saying that, that they're all installed at the same time and you can choose rather exactly, than having to yeah, pull them the, out? Wow. Yeah, the amp itself has 15 tubes in total. There's the three pairs in the power amp and nine in the preamp section. And yeah, the name Triamp basically means three amps. It has six channels. It has three independent power amps and three independent preamps, right? That's so, cool. Um, because they do sound different. Like, they do sound yeah, different and do. react different. Yeah. And it looks terrifying when you look at it. If you look at a picture of it, it looks like, I don't know, lots of people tell us we should call it the Knobmeister because it's covered in controls and that kind of stuff. But it's actually really simple. There's six different channels. You know, each of the three amps has two channels and they each have their own little section. They have an EQ section, a gain, and a master control, and that's pretty much it. Wow. Wow. Okay. It, yeah. I'm gonna it's have a super... 
it's a super loud amp. It's not practical if you play at home because it doesn't take a load like the Black Spirit 200 or the Grandmeister. So you you have to have a cab connected and you have to play it loud unless you're using an attenuator. Yep. But if you're a, a studio or if you're playing stadiums or bigger shows or whatever, it's you won't get a better sounding amp. Great. It's a great. behemoth. And you, you were saying... Um we were talking about Australian distributor. Should we wait until that's all official before we, we say who that is? You said there were some things in the works there. Or... Well, we, we do have a new Australian distributor, and I just checked on the website before we went it's up, live. And and it's, on it the, is up, isn't it? Yep. They're so. on the website, so I don't see why I shouldn't say anything. It is Better Music, cool. based in Canberra. Nice. Um, well, I'm going to have the guys. I'm going to have to see if I can get my hands on one and have a bit of a play with my mate, because that, that sounds amazing to have all that crammed into one amp. Um, yeah, you got to do it. Yeah, I was, I was saying, I, I met the guys a couple of months ago. They came across to Germany just before all the planes got grounded and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, lovely guys. They really, they dig the whole rock and roll thing. And I think, yeah, get over awesome. there and have a play. Well, yeah. I'm going to get my hands on one just, you know, just for a week or two and, and crank it up into a, an attenuator or a load box or something and um, just see if we can hear the difference in those in those tubes because I there definitely is a different of difference in feel and just the way it throws i mean people talk about tube amps and different transformers and things the big giveaway for me is when you're palm muting when you're playing sort of dunk, 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 you know some amps cave in and it, that doesn't pop out but i'd like to have, get my hands on one of those and tweak it just to get that to jump forward out of the speaker some uh what, what yeah, other it's, it's an experience for sure yeah yep. what else you got in the line there mate in the current line. So we've yeah. talked about the Black Spirit, we've talked about the Triumph, and in between that, we have a couple of more kind of lunchbox heads, mm -hmm. a couple of simpler options, one of which is called the Tubemeister, the Tubemeister Deluxe. We have a 20 and a 40-watt model, and they're much more simple than the Black Spirit that you have there. Cool. So on the Tubemeister 20, you have a, a clean and a crunch channel with a boost. That's pretty much it. There's no built-in effects or anything like that. It has the red box on the back, and you can play it silently. You can plug it straight into your audio interface, that kind of thing. But it is just two kick-ass tube channels. The TubeMeister 40 is three, and that's 40 watts, whereas the TubeMeister 20 is 20. The name gives it away. And then, yeah, if you know the Black Spirit 200, then there is also the Grandmeister Deluxe 40, which is basically, I guess you could say, like a tube version of the Black Spirit 200. Okay. It has the four channels, all the MIDI capability, the same effects, that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's tube. Yeah, and and a lot smaller than than your triamp, like because this this guy is actually kind of small. That's why I've got it sitting on top of a rack there to give you an idea. I had that in the background. I was uh, did an interview with um, a couple of guys from an Australian band, The Poor, and they saw it in the background and they thought it was a, a big head. And I, I pointed over to it and mentioned something about it. And when I ran over and grabbed it with one hand, and went here it is. They were just like, whoa, what? Because they, they thought it was a, a big thing. It's like, no, nah, man, 200 watts whacked into there. Now, yeah. you, you no. mentioned the uh, the red box. Now, that's something that yes. one of the first speaker simulators that I ever played that didn't sound like ass was the red box. Um, and you're up to, what, Mark 3, 4 of that now? What is it? Mark 5. Mark 5. On, on, the, stand, on the standalone ones, yeah. Wow, wow. So, I mean, you guys have evolved that. A lot. And I was, as I said, back in the 90s, um, I had one of those and it was the one unit that I could go direct out of uh, like a processor or something and, and get a convincing sound. But it, it truly has evolved even more so now. You're not stuck with the one sound. I, I noticed that 
I can flick through different ones there. Um, popular unit for you guys still? And have we dropped out? We I'm still here. Oh, no, there we go. I, I thought we dropped out for a second there. No, <laughs> I was just enjoying you in full flow. It was uh, beautiful. Okay. Sorry, mate. No, it's my camera that's gone uh, dead, so I'm just going to change that. Remember I said uh, my battery? Yeah, I should have changed that before we started because we chatted for quite a while beforehand. But look at me stuck there. I'm going to change that uh, just to you while I uh, change the battery. And you tell us um, a little about one of your other products there. Yeah, <laughs> Not sure. so subtle so, yeah, throw. The, Not so subtle throw. The red box would be a really good one to talk about at this point. So yeah. um, the original red box must have come out a good 20, 25 years ago. And um, what they wanted to do with that was give you guitar players a way of recording without having to mess around with microphones. Um, okay. And we're now up to the Redbox 5 in the standalone units, and they are basically little red boxes about so big, super affordable, and they let you... They go in between the tube amp head and the cabinet, okay? And then you've also got an XLR out, and you can go into a mixer. You can go into... A, various recording interfaces, that kind of thing. Um, we also started to put them into amplifiers as well. So the Black Spirit 200 behind you there and the Grandmeister and the Tubemeister and the Triumph also have inbuilt versions of that. And they let you, in certain cases, like with the Tubemeisters, the Grandmeisters and the Black Spirit, record in total silence. Uh, with those amps, you don't even need to have a cab connected, you know. So have you even got a cab in there? Yeah. In, yes, no? there's a Marshall box back there somewhere yeah you can see oh yeah i can see that one here, actually but... on the camera shot but the black uh, spirit you're running straight into the into your mac right i am I've, i'm coming out of that into my little audio interface uh now you said that the red box you could actually connect it between your speaker and um and and the head is that right so we'll take exactly, a tap yeah. out of the with a traditional tube amp head and cab yep. that's what you would do yeah okay you would, you would run it in between and you'd go into the cab as normal and you go through the red box and you can then go straight into the mixer as well. Okay, cool. I don't think the original one had that, did it? Or did it? I don't recall it having that we'll, function. We'll have to look back. Yeah. Well, the good yeah. thing is the, the only one you can still buy is the red box five and that one definitely does. That's good. That's good. Yeah. But I, I am going to have a bit of a play with that in a bit. Um, is there any other series of amp that you guys have got at the moment worth mentioning? Well, you guys don't just do amps you do other things as well right we do well as well as electric guitar amps we also do a couple of acoustic amps are you into acoustic guitar at all i'm not but i've got friends who are and one of them's <laughs> in the uh, in the chat i can see big fella link um i don't actually own an acoustic guitar because as you're probably aware a really good acoustic is a lot of money and i don't play it enough to warrant spending that kind of money and um between my mate uh link and mikey I know I could borrow something anytime, but they are listening, and I'm probably pretty sure they probably want to know about your uh, your acoustic amps as well. But there are like there's a couple of great acoustic brands from Australia, right? There is, Maton, there is Australian, and then Mason is Clark or something like that, yeah. and Fennec Guitars, which is a new guy that's uh, around my part of the Gold Coast here. Aaron Fennec makes a great guitar, which is he went to Nam for the first time this year, and I've been trying to bug him to come on here, but um, I'll get him on. I'll get him on. Um, yeah, but so what have you got in the way of acoustic amps? We have two. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just getting sidetracked reading the comments here. Bring back the big tube pedals. They are amazing. Uh, we're probably not ever going to do that, to be honest, but I would like to. 
We'll talk about that after, but first the acoustic amps. Yeah, so we have two. They're called the Era 1 and the Era 2. Um, we've made a couple of acoustic amps over the years. One was called the Montana. There were a couple of others. They were kind of not, not amazing. They were all right. But a few years ago, three or four years ago, we got talking to a chap called Michel Eisenman, Michael Eisenman. And he was the designer, the engineer behind some of the world's best ever acoustic amps. Really? A brand called AER which you may or may not be familiar with. Check them out if you wish. I have seen them, yeah. And he had finished um, his relationship with those guys. He'd stopped working with them for whatever reason. And we got together with him on a consultancy basis and we decided to go for kind of the best acoustic amp we could make here in Germany. So it's all premium built over here and stuff. And he designed it. And we came up with the Era 1 and the Era 2. And we have a couple of kick-ass endorsing artists who are playing them. Actually, we have guys like Tommy from Kiss who uses it for the Kiss acoustic shows. You know, before they play live, they play shows for fan club members, stuff like that. But we have Petteri Sariola from Finland, guys like that. Alexandra Misko. I'm throwing out names and you probably have no idea. Right? I don't You're know the them, no. Guy. But check them out. They're, they are the equivalent in the acoustic world to guys like Slash. Yeah, maybe. right. And we also have Aldi Miola. You must know Aldi Miola. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he enjoys our amps as well. Okay. Yeah. In Australia, yeah. when you talk acoustic guitar, the one name that pops up is Tommy Emmanuel. Tommy Emmanuel. Yeah. 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 Who, know, who knows? I mean, to Tommy, for example, has had an AER signature amp for, for years and years. Really? That is his, his brand. It's, it's in his DNA, and that's super cool. If he ever decides to switch, I'll be there, but, uh, you know, he won't. That's his thing. And that's know, all cool. Speaking of, of Tommy Emmanuel, and a little off, tap, off topic here, but Tommy's been a household name in Australia for a long time. And he was almost like a variety show guest, judge, panelist kind of thing. Um, and I was telling somebody about that. It was like, man, we, I don't think the general public took him very seriously over here uh, because he was, as I said, he'd always be the, the guest judge on such and such and he'd do his, do his thing. And I think we got oversaturated with him back in the, the 80s and, and early 90s. And then he kind of disappeared yeah. for a while. Uh, but he went to Nashville and hanging out with guys like uh, Chet Atkins. And that's when he truly became Tommy Emmanuel certified guitar player, as he goes by CGP. So it, yeah. it's funny talking about Tom. I actually had a photo shoot with him um, back in 1991. The previous year, I'd, I'd won a, the under-18 section of a, a guitar competition around here. And they called me up and they said, hey, Tommy Emanuel's at this, um, it was the Gold Coast Blues Festival back then, I think it was called. And I had to meet up with him and he's opened up his case. He's given me his guitar and go, I have a play with my guitar, man. And I just looked at him and I said, no, <laughs> what the hell do you play? I don't play acoustic. What are you going to play on an acoustic guitar in front of Tommy Emanuel, man? You know, <laughs> Get him on the show. You know what? Jason McNamara had him recently. And that, that was one of his first guys that he on there. And I, I tuned into that. It was fantastic. It was a really, really good thing. Now, you mentioned some Finnish guys. There's some great guitar players in Finland. Speaking of which, we got uh, Vladimir there from, from Catpick Studios. He's Finnish. But Mika. Um, yeah, we got. A couple of other guys whose yeah. names don't really stick in my head because I can't pronounce them so well. What yeah, is it so about got, Finnish yeah. guys? Finnish guys are awesome. So yeah, we got Vlad from Capex Studios. We've got Mika, Mr. Fastfinger. Mika is of course a, a Hughes and Kettner endorsing artist as well. Yep. Plays the Tube Meister Deluxe, and he has like I think he has a vintage a Tubeman preamp on his on his studio rack at the moment. Sure. 
And then on the acoustic side, we have Petr di Sariola, who is just a mind-blowing acoustic guitar player. He's one of these guys who has the modern sort of percussive style sort of nailed down completely and just um, Finland Suomi. I, I hope I said that correctly. I've just read a comment. I hope it was nice. Yeah, but... I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. No, but they're talented guys up there. And I think um, maybe it's those long Scandinavian winters where nothing else is happening. They can either like read true crime novels or they can learn to become guitar players. You That's know, my theory. Well, I mean, the weather-wise, I, I saw um, Mika posted just recently, and it's that spring, and he's outside, and it's snowing, and he's like, oh, a beautiful spring day, and I'm just going, whoa, and I've, I've been posting some pictures of my part of the world, and he's he's been liking that, going, no way, I'm like, mate, you got to come over and visit sometime. Um, yeah, the, the Finns, they're lovely guys, lovely guys. Uh, let me see. Should we have a bit of a play with this thing back here? And see what kind of sound we can get out of the uh, I, yeah, the Black it, yeah. 200. So, give me a second. Now, I'm not going to play anything fancy, as uh, a few people out there know. Get a bit of tendonitis. Do you want to tell the guys how you got your hands on that Black Spirit 200? Is that a story you can you can tell? Well, I went to a um, an event called 42 Gear Street, didn't I? And I met somebody from Hughes and Kettner, which would be you, and you showed me <laughs> showed me this, and um, I was like, may I please have one of those that I can show off to the world, because I was really impressed with it. What we haven't mentioned about it is that it's available in a floor unit as well. Um, yes. Yeah. So, and a combo. And a combo. Okay. Yes. So the floor unit is something that blew my mind. It wasn't released at the time when I had a play with it. Um, but it's basically that and the foot controller. Let me just go to that so we can see it. It's this guy and the foot controller that comes with it rolled into one, uh, which is so bloody convenient because you can just plonk that down. It's got all the amplifier built into it. What else is different? Tell us the difference between the head and the floor unit before I actually have a bit of a play with it. Okay, so you, you know the head unit for what it is. It's a... Uh a traditional amp setup in a way, but it has all these extra features like effects and presets and MIDI, and you really need a foot controller to, to make the most of it mm -hmm. because you can't really save all the sounds on the amp itself. Um, and that is the issue that we address with the floor amp. We knew a lot of guys were saying, we, we have the Black Spirit, we have the floor amp, can we somehow get it together? And we almost literally crunched the two into into one unit, and that's what the floor unit is. It is exactly the same features as on the Black Spirit 200 head with two extra little ones, no three, three extra little features. And what and are those? It has the foot controller on it. Okay, so um, on the foot controller part of it, you have seven buttons in total, okay? And normally they help you switch between the, the four different channels or they help you switch between presets and go up and down preset banks. Uh-huh. Um, we have two modes on the foot switch. One is called preset modes, which is for all the MIDI presets. And one is called Stompbox mode, which is for when you're using it like a traditional amp setup. So it goes between the four channels, turns the effects and the boost on and off, and that's it. We put a new mode on the floor amp mode called Direct 7, which literally gives you seven presets. So the seven buttons, you can assign a preset to each button. Cool. So if you're a guy who's playing live or whatever and you literally only have seven sounds, you don't need to mess around with different preset banks or anything like that. You've yep. got seven controls right there. The second extra function is that on the left-hand side of the floor amp, 
we have two new uh, pre-loops in there. And those are kind of like what you would have where when you have a loop switcher for gain pedals, that kind of thing. So let's say you want to stick a tube, uh, tube screamer or something like that in front or a clone or something like that. You can stick them into their own independent circuit. You can either activate that or deactivate it. And when it's deactivated, they're not in the circuit at all. So they're not affecting your bass tone. Cool. And then finally, on the back of the floor amp, there is an extra monitor input. So it's an XLR that you can send to front of house or something like that. If you're using in-ears, that kind of thing, it's perfect to get a decent live mix in the band context. Nice. Nice. Yeah, the head doesn't have that and the combo doesn't have that either. Okay. So you mentioned having um, the loops in there, the pre-loop. So that's in front of the preamp section of it. Did you say there was... Exactly, yeah. yeah. Did you say there was two loops or did I, am I hearing things? Yep, there is. Yep. There's two, yeah. Yep. One pre and, and one post. Which brings me to, is it an all analog preamp design on there? Does it, when you're hitting it with pedals in uh, in the pre-loop, is it is it analog that it's hitting? Yes, it is. Okay. So the the amp and the circuit is all analog. The only digital stuff in there is the uh, the switching and the digital effects, obviously. Great, we like that. We like that because I'm it's not... like you know, you know what a lot of companies are saying at the moment. They say analog heart, digital brain. I guess that's pretty much what this is. Sure, sure. So uh, yeah, I'm you you, you don't have to have any digital in the signal at all if you don't want it. Cool. So I'm not 100% convinced that digital reacts to pedals the same way that, that analog does. And I'm always wary of clipping AD converters and the like. And um, yeah, with, with those kinds of things, that there is a slight latency. And I notice I do adjust to it. I, for smaller gigs previous to, to getting this, I was playing through an iPad and Kempers and Axe FX that little bit of latency, you, you adjust to it in no time, but I'd much prefer a, an analog design. So, should we have a bit of a play and see how it sounds? Have, like? you, tr have you tried the Strymon Iridium yet? No, I haven't. Would is love that going to just totally blow everything that I just said? Well, it might. I mean, I've only played it a couple of times and once was at NAM, which is not the perfect place to, to check stuff out, you know, because it's loud and there's people doing stuff everywhere. But... Um, could be a bit of a game changer. Okay. And what is the Iridium? What, is that like an overdrive or is it a... It's like, um, what do they call it? It's, it's, it's a preamp and sort of a, a, a cab simulator at the same time. Okay. Cool. So you literally run that before and after your pedals and you can go straight into a cabinet with it, I think. Nice. I actually don't understand 100% what it is. But it is Strymon's attempt at doing this, and it has three amps on it. There's like a, a Fender, a Vox, and a Marshall, different IRs for each one, blah, 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 blah. Uh -huh. Check it out. I will. Could I be, will. Could be the one that changes your mind. Yeah. I don't know why I'm giving another company like positive positive words, but whatever. Networking, that's why. This is, this is, this is the Hughes and Kettler show. Yeah. It's just uh, Strymon, eh? Yeah. Nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to reach out and see if somebody from Strymon wants to come on. I, I don't have any connections there. Perhaps you could set one up for me if you know anybody there. Oh, I think that yeah, they're, they're a tough company. Are they? Do you know Rhett Shull? Do you know Rhett yeah, Shull? Yeah, yep, yep. Talk to Rhett. I know. I don't know him personally. I know of Rhett, but... Oh, well, yep. talk to him anyway. He, he's the boy there, yeah. Why not? Why not? So, as I said earlier, presets generally sound pretty crap. So, I'm going to do a bit of knob tweaking with this and just see if I can come up with a... A cool sounding patch um, so I'm going to cut to the screenshot of the app and as I turn the knobs 
I'm actually going to turn the knobs over here, which will uh, show up on the screen as well. You can see that, folks. Um, I will do some of that, and I will also um, do a bit of mousing over there as well between the two. It's probably easier for me to do it on the screen. Purely because of the way that's lit right now, I'm going to have a little bit of hard, hard trouble um, reading that. But I'm just going to come try and come up with a nice, good rock and roll sound that I could use. Uh, and I'm going to test things like how it reacts to the volume knob rolling down. Just see how some of the different red box models sound, etc. But what I'm going to do, Rich, is because I'm going to be coming through my monitors, I'm actually going to push this way out a little and probably won't talk so much. So um, bear with me if I don't say much. I'll see how it goes. Are you folks hearing that out there if I play? So I am firstly, I'm going to turn off. Now, if I, I can hear myself through the monitors, but it's not feeding back. That's okay. I'm going to go screenshot so you can see what I'm doing. I just turned off the delay, the reverb. I'm going to start at the top. What have we got here? We've got a reverb, effects loop, delay. That's all off. Modulation. There is a noise gate. I'm going to turn that right off for now and I'm just going to start with the different channels down here so clean sound that's quite nice I'm going to have a bit of a play pull those mids back a bit of bottom end on that I notice you have the sagging control on one. On one, yes. Tell us about sagging, yeah. Richard. Sagging is kind of... It's it's one of the coolest knobs <laughs> on the Black Spirit 200, I would say. it's. Uh, you know, back in the day, um, when we had non-master volume tube amps, you'd have to kind of really push them up to get to that magic sort of tone. Yep. And they'd start to react differently. You'd start to get you know, more harmonic overtones, it would start to compress a bit. You'd get to that magic sound that we always talk about when we talk about magic guitar sounds. Yep. And that was when the amp was effectively sagging. Okay. Um, and what the sagging control lets you do is replicate that effect, but at any volume level. Okay. So it will add a bit more compression, a little bit more gain too. And it will, it, well, it should feel differently under the fingers. So have a twiddle with that knob. I'm just while, looking while for it. Where is it? it? I'm, I'm, I'm hovering just above the... It's just um, just next to the reverb knob. Reverb is up there. Uh, on the In the app or on the actual unit itself? I'm looking at the screen right now on the app display. Okay, reverb. So kind of top left. Oh, sagging. Sort of okay, I was, I was reading the top there. It says effects loop. That's why I'm coming across as a imbecile right now. So I'm going to turn that up a bit. You know what? You're probably best off just cranking the crap out of it. Oh, I can feel that. I can feel it compressing. This is still just the clean channel, by the way. If I pull that. Yeah, if you crank everything on that um, on that clean channel, you get a pretty good sort of plexi sort of a sound. You know, like a pretty good crunch sort of rhythm tone. Okay, so that's the gain wound up a little. And if we give that a bit of the sagging over here. Pull that reverb back a touch. Cool, okay. 
let me just play with that a bit. I like a bit of low end. Now the presence and resonance, is that affecting the power amp or is that actually going to affect what we're hearing now out of the red box out? That will affect what you're hearing out of the red box okay. out. So I like a bit of lows in there. I'm just going to turn this up quickly to uh, kick my sub in. It's, um, so if I get a bit of feedback, just... That should be enough to kick that in so I can hear what's going on. Presence, that just takes a bit of that narkiness out of the top end. So do you dial your presence back a little bit normally? It depends then? on the sound, mate. It depends on the sound. So if you guys see my mouse jump everywhere, I've had issues with mouses and all my mice have died. I'm using an old one that occasionally jumps across the screen while I'm using it. I just did it then. Now, that's with the gain cranked on, uh, on that. Now, I notice there's a boost button over there. Shall we yep. engage the boost? And what will the boost actually be boosting? The boost is another Hughes and Kettner, Mr. Kettner nerdy invention, and we call it an intelligent stomp boost. An intelligent... So the boost does not... Intelligent stomp boost. The boost does not always do exactly the same thing. Oh. It will check out how you're set, what channel you're on, what you know, what kind of game level you're on, blah, 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 blah. And it will take you up a notch, whatever. It, whatever you're doing, the goal of the boost is to take you to 11. You tricky... So imagine if you're... Yeah. Tricky motherfuckers. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're on a totally clean setting... Yeah, that's, that's the know, clean channel. Totally classic, clean sound it will give you more of a clean boost mm -hmm. you know more of a db boost if you're on more sort of a crunchy rhythm tone it'll give you more of a cleaner uh, creamier lead sound that kind of thing okay so is that boost uh foot switchable yes yep, you can assign absolutely, yep. yep okay yep I'm just going to check that out a bit if you um Sorry, mate, I was trying not to, to talk over you, as, uh, to play over yeah, you as you're talking. Yeah, I was trying to, uh, yeah, I started talking while you were playing and realised I should stop, but yeah. That's why I stopped. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to play with the red box over here, the different cab simulations. So, that's on cab one. Oh, look at that. It brings down a little pop down and I can see that was a modern feel port. I don't know what that is. Teela. Teela. What is is how I is how I pronounce yeah. it. Actually, Mr. Teela was Australian. Really? As far as I know, um, he was a, a physicist. There was a guy called Teela and a guy called Small. So you will often hear the term Teela Small cabinet. Okay. And um, that is a, a kind of cabinet design with a with a base uh, a base reflex port that kind of thing. If you guys want more information on that, go onto the HK website and look at the Black Spirit 200 combo, which features a Teela Small cabinet construction, or go onto the TS112 Pro cab site. There's more information there. But basically, it is the way the cab is constructed in order to get the biggest possible sound out of the smallest possible enclosure. That is very cool. Okay, I'm going to go through some of these other... Teela and Smaller, two guys. I'm going to go through some of these other cabs and just see what that brings. And bear in mind, folks, this is still, uh, I know that it says Modern Crunch. That was the name of the preset that I went to, but I'm actually on the, the clean channel. It's just that I haven't renamed the preset. Uh, so let's go through some of the cabs and just hear how they sound. So 1 by 12. Now, I like that straight up. That's a, bit, a lot smoother for that driven sound that I'm, I'm going for right now. 
I'm just going to wind back my volume knob some. Let me just cut so you can actually see me. Oh, you can't see my guitar. Uh, no point in seeing me. I'll go back to the software then. Uh, oh, it cleans up nicely. So I'm just winding back the volume knob. And I like that if I can just not have to change pedals, but just... Wind it up a bit. So bear in mind that is still the clean channel with the boost on. Uh, I'm just quickly go through... I'm going to turn the boost off because... It's still got that dirtiness when I wind it up some. So another cab. What do we got? Vintage open back. We've got El Nicole open back. I think when we get to the distortion channels, we'll really hear the difference in these. Yeah, for sure. When you get more high gain in and you you go to the four by ten or the one by twelves, and you really notice, ah, okay, this this is different. Yep. Okay, so there is also delay in there as well, which I haven't turned on. I'm going to turn on that delay. I'm actually going to pull the gain back a little and just see how it goes. I'll clean it up a little bit more. You know what would sound really nice on that, mate, is some modulation effects, right? And it just so happens... Well, how practical that they're built in. Why don't we hit this button that says modulation, that is set to chorus right now. Turn the intensity up. Oh, look at that. Nice, if I want to speed that up. We get some nice Leslie kind of sounds out of that. Nice, okay. I'm going to pull that gain back even more. Get it nice and turn the volume up. Right, turn that right back. You're not hearing a direct feed of that, Rich, so you're just hearing some ambient noise, but you get the idea. Let's slow that right down. Oh, that's nice. I'm going to turn the level of the delay up some. Now, one thing that you did tell me in Germany, which I don't think you've mentioned tonight, that just popped into my head is... By doing it from the app, you actually get the tap tempo function, right? Which isn't... Yes. That, is the tap tempo on the floorboard? I know the head behind me doesn't have it. Does the um, does the floorboard have a tap tempo? Yes. It does. Okay. Yes, the tap tempo is on the floorboard, yeah. Okay, so if I play about a one, two, three, four, let's try that. Nice, okay.
that's sort of quite loud. And that's uh, a very digital delay sound to me where the repeats are very close to the original sound, not like some of those bucket brigade type of um, delays where each repeat goes uh, and loses the top end. It's either one or the other, isn't it? And uh, if you're going to have just the one delay in there, um, sometimes that bucket brigade sound is desirable other times, not so much where you want it to sound like an instant repeat that's the same as the first. So this is more like a digital delay, which there's no good or bad. They're just different. So I'll keep on playing around with this. Let me go back to the screenshot. Let me just ask you that at this point, yeah. Rick, if you were designing a, a Black Spirit 200 yourself yeah. and you could choose between digital and a more analog delay sound, what, what would you go for and why? Um, if you only had the one, if I could only have the one, I'd go analog style. And why? Um, because I like to use delays more of as, as an ambience. And by having, let me just switch this so we can both see us, mate. Um, if I wanted something where it was like an effect, where it sounded like I was playing twice as many notes that I really am playing. Now, extreme. Now, Nuno used to use Hughes and Kettner amps there. He had his did he have a signature model? No. He was using the, the Triumph, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So Nuno's Flight of the Wounded Bumblebee, as it's called, his little piece, that's a digital delay. It sounds like he's playing a million miles an hour and he's not. Um, it sounds like he's going, and I've got a clean sound here, it's not the right sound. It sounds like he's playing that. He's not. He's going... And that's your digital delay because it it's an exact copy. Bump, 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 bump. Whereas an analog goes bump, bump, bump. Mm-hmm. Why do I like analog? Um, and it's 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 different. I'd like to have both access to both. But for something like this, you're not going to try and be able to get both in there. Uh, because I like it to be an ambience in the background rather than a, a reverb at times to fill. But what I'm actually playing sits at the front and doesn't get lost in the repeats. But having said that, you can do that with digital style delays as well, just by turning them down a little. So uh, there's no better or worse. It depends on the situation, I feel, anyway. How about yourself? Yeah, Yeah, it's a tough one. And I'm actually in a position like you, whereas I, I see them as being two totally separate things. Yeah, totally. And um, I'm not really a heavy player. I play often more cleaner sort of stuff. And I like the warmth of an analog delay that kind of fattens up the sound a bit, but does not get in the way of stuff. Yeah. And like you say, you, you can dial that in with a digital delay, no problem. But for me, I prefer to use a digital delay when I'm using it for the real thing, which is doing that edge kind of thing or that flight of the bumblebee sort of stuff where you really know what's going on and you're doubling notes properly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I played yeah. uh, guitar for an Australian band called 1927 that you've probably never ever heard of. I wasn't an original member I just got roped in to do a reunion tour many years ago. Uh, I'm not that old, in case anybody. They had hits back in like the the late 80s, so uh, I'm not quite that old. I am old, but I'm not quite that old. But I did do a tour playing guitar for them. And um, I can remember giving the the singer a call when when I was learning the the songs off the record and uh, saying, ah, 
all that fancy delay stuff going on, man. It, that's that's me, yeah. And this thing said, no, no, that's me. I do all that. You just go, gong, 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 gong. I went, oh, that's my gig. Um, and <laughs> what he did was very much the digital delay sound like we've got in this where you play half as much and twice as much comes out. Um, but I'm going to check out some of the other modulation effects while I've still got this clean. So that's the chorus. I'm going to wind that delay back a little, huh? So, flanger. <laughs> you know, when I first started playing guitar, I thought it was called a flanger. <laughs> I remember flanger. going to a music store and saying flanger, and they laughed at me, and I was like, am I saying it wrong? Yeah, it's a flanger. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do know why it's called a flanger. <laughs> I just thought maybe that might be a, a, a bit of a pop quiz question that you were going to throw at me. Do you know? You know, right? <laughs> no, I'm not being rude. You know why it's called a flanger? Oh, you don't? I've got no idea. Oh, really? I'm just, okay. I'm going to educate no, you on something. It Please comes. Do. It's recreating the sound. I'll just put my guitar down here. It's recreating the sound of when you've got two tape machines playing in unison and you hold your finger slightly on the flange of the tape to slow one down and speed it up. That's why it's called a flanger. They, that's how they got flanging originally. Ah, Beatles. And, yeah, there you go. Yeah. You thought I was being rude. You thought I was henning and I was going to say penis. I absolutely did. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I th but this was better because I, I really learned something today. Yeah, no, that's why it's called a flanger. Is that it was the effect of holding your finger slightly on, on the flange of the of the tape reel. I come from a recording background, so um, I, I taught Richard something. I taught Richard something. Okay, let's do the old intensity right up. Just to can we get? Ah, oh, there is it. There it is. I'll turn it up a little. I'm not, I'm not a big flange guy. I've never actually owned a flanger except for inside uh, multi-effects units. Uh, phaser. I'm going to give that a nice bit of a reverb and see how ambient... Delay there. Turn that right up. Wow, oh, you can really hear that now. Nice. Slow that down a little. Cool. Okay. Tremolo. Speaking of general knowledge, you do know that people incorrectly call a vibrato system on a guitar a tremolo, right? And that tremolo, yes, that, yeah, yeah. yeah Leo, Leo Fender. He, he was his fault, right? He, he did that first, yeah. Yeah. Turn my delay down a little on the reverb. Oh, we'll give it heaps of reverb. Let's see. I'm trying not to play anything by anyone so I don't get any copyright strikes. You know how hard <laughs> it is to make something up on the spot? Yeah, I, I want to play yeah, like yeah. The, the doors or something. Okay, that's it really fast. Nice. 
Yeah, Gabor's just confirmed that. That was Leo, Leo Fender's mistake. That's what I thought. Nice, nice. Okay, mate, so... I've got the, the power amp section, noise gate. I'm going to get into that when we get into some dirtier sounds. Preamp. It might be time to check out some of the other channels, huh? So I'm going to actually turn off the mod delay and reverb for now. And hopefully there won't be too much of volume jump when I go to Z Crunch. Yeah, that's cool. Before I go reaching for any EQs, because he wasn't a musician, that's right, Gabor. Leo Fender could not play guitar. He just listened to them. Okay, I'm going to go through those cabs again before I start even reaching for a cab. You know what? I'm going to set everything to 12 o'clock. Hang on. Let me how about I go to that screen so people can see what I'm doing. Set them all at 12. I'm going to pick my cab first. really changes the character of the sound, doesn't it? Oh yeah, it does, yeah. I like that one. That was cab five. Do you have a favorite cab? Yep, cab five. Cab five, that's yours? Okay, because as cab soon as I went to yeah, that, I just went, oh, hello. Yeah, cab five's like the vintage 4x12 and it just it, it works with everything yep. you know some of the other cabs that they they don't sit well with metal maybe but they work with clean yep. or the other way around but number five it's my go-to for everything yeah cool cool as soon as i clicked on that i went oh hello seven sounds to me i just i know my monitors seven sounds like that would sit in a mix really well um, people quite often confuse what sounds good just playing on its own uh, with what actually sounds good in a mix. And that's something um, some guitar players need to learn is you don't want too much low end going on to be fighting with the, the bass uh, just for it to sit in its own, own space in the mix. Alright, I'm just going to quickly go between a few of those because 8, 7, 5, that's 4, no. Richard, I have a new favourite, number 8. Number eight. Number eight. Okay. Yep. So let me go back to that screen there. Now I'm going to reach for the EQs and see what the pull. So a bit more low end on that. More of a scooped mid sound. I'm going to go extreme firstly. Mm. That's actually... I'm liking that. 
that's just with a little bit, bit of mid. I mean, pulled back so it's yeah, down around 8 o'clock. I'm going to just out of interest. What is your what is your preferred actual cab of choice? Is it the four by twelve in the back there? Um, you know what, man? There's a there's a Vox AC10 back here. Um, I mentioned I, I did a record not that long ago, and we got Sean Tubbs to play some additional country guitar on there. Um, I pulled that out just to put some guide tracks on on this. Uh, friend of mine's album that little eight inch speaker in that doesn't sound that good in person but mic'd up is the right sound with no eq to just sit in a song it's amazing and uh-huh. when i had bob spencer from roast tattoo one recently uh he was saying when he was in the angels that his guitar parts were recorded with a an eight inch speaker i just called that an eight inch it's actually a 10 inch behind me he was using an eight inch speaker uh but yeah that little 10 inch in that back there sounds really cool mic'd up yeah. In the flesh, Marshall 4x12 or Port City Cab. I used to have two Port City oversized cabs. I don't know if you know those. They were the no. internet no. flavor of the, the, the week 10 years ago. Uh, and I had two of those. They sounded great in front of it. The low end was just thunderous. They didn't mic up so well, though. Uh, I must say, if I was, um, I'd mic it up, I'm like, Oh, no, the vital lower mids just weren't there. It was all, all pulled right out. Um, but I'm going to keep on tweaking away with this. I'll remember to go to the screen this time so people can see what I'm doing. Okay, with just a bit of a break, I can hear straight away. I need a bit more of the mids back in there. And the treble. A little too much presence. Now, I'm going to hit the boost button. Don't make me do it. Don't make me do it. Oh, I did it. So just sort of giving some light hits there and then I'm going to back off the volume attach. Just change my pickups. That's cool. Not as clean as when we had the gain cranked on the clean channel and, and did the same though. Yep. All right. Um... Clean Crunch Lead. I'm not going to play any lead guitar, mate. As I said, I haven't actually pl- touched a guitar to play in about two months now, and my fingers are hurting just playing chords, let alone embarrass myself with how sloppy I am. Give me two days, and I'll be back in it. All right, that's a bit more mid-rangey. Scoop that some. The beautiful thing with this, Richard, is that um, for each preset, you can actually store a different cab, right? So if you've got your clean sound, you can use one particular cab and use another cab for your your dirties and stuff. Um, So I've changed to that that lead channel. And that's not the best rhythm sound, but it's not. It's a lead sound. So that's probably why. I'm going to play some 
put on a bit of reverb and delay and play some very sloppy lead guitar for you right now. Way too much reverb, but like I say, mate, just covering that I haven't played in a while. Okay, so I said when I went to play it, oh, maybe we've got the wrong cab going. But you know what? That's um, that's where a lead guitar sound should sit. It, you don't want to have those other sounds. You want it to jump out a little bit in the mix. Mm. Uh, Ultra. Tell us about the Ultra channel, mate. What's that aimed at? The Ultra channel is mm. the super high gain channel. Cool. The idea behind that is a more modern voicing. It's super bassy. It's super high saturation, if you want that. Um, and this is for guys who are playing maybe progressive metal, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, there, there is kind of a secret hidden second use for it that a YouTuber, Kafia or Cheon, showed me. You know Kafia, right? No, I don't. You must be familiar. You don't know Kafia? I don't check out many other guys, man. I don't want to get spooked by what other, by what oh. other good guys are out there. <laughs> okay. Well, Kafia's channel is slightly different. He's he's based out in Israel, Kafia, and he does covers of famous rock songs. Okay. And he he likes to get amazing kind of 80s lead sounds. He's a, a big Prince fan, for example. He likes Gary Moore. And he won't go to the Crunch channel to get those sounds. He will take his Les Paul or whatever guitar he's using across to the Ultra channel and turn the gain down. Well, let's give that a no shot. No one else thought of doing that. Let's give that you a shot. Try it out. Yep. Okay. Let me just go over here. So I did notice when we changed the sounds that um, all the EQ settings changed with changing that. I'm not sure if that does that happen on the app. As you change the channels, do the EQ settings change? I, I was seeing that happening in the app. The, the, the knobs don't physically turn. No, but they will change. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, just the the remembered values of them. Um, Exactly, yeah. yeah. So that brings me to something, mate. Um, as we're talking, I'm sort of remembering bits and pieces of our conversations we had in Germany. The knobs and the remembering um, the positions, that was come from a washing machine design or something? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah I'm uh, remembering it's a technology right now. Yeah. yeah, we call it smart rotary controls, and Mr. Engineer Bernd Schneider got the idea from a washing machine where you can... You know, it's like a, a programmable resistor network behind the knobs back there, and that's how you remember the different the different settings. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, I will have a bit of a play with the Ultra Channel. Let me go to this so you can see what I'm doing. That doesn't need all that reverb. Oh, okay. We don't need that delay either, so I'll just turn him off. Come on, mouse. How about I just use that trackpad underneath instead? Bam, that's a bit more reliable. All right, let's try and scoot those nudes a little. Hey, 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 hey. I just noticed something. What? They interact. As I pulled the treble right down, and this is a good thing. You're looking at me like I'm about to say something bad. Um, they interact. As I pulled the, the treble right back, the mids boosted, the lower mids boosted. Uh, not exactly, in the way yep. of just subtractive. Um, it's very much like how a Vox amp works, how 
the, the EQs actually interact with each other. That was a good hey, by the way. It was like, hey, 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 I hear what you're doing. <laughs> oh, I'm on to you. I hear you. I hear you. Um, most EQs don't do that. That's why I just... They don't went, know. That, 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 that got my ear there. So keeping that in mind, I'm going to be a bit more extreme with my, um, with my turning of the knobs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I don't know if you folks can hear that, but as I pull that treble back... There's definitely a boost happening in the mids down around, I'm guessing around 600 if anybody's into that kind of thing. Um, Cool. There was my mouse completely taking off of me again. Oh, it doesn't want to play ball. Now, you mentioned about pulling the gain right back on that. Now, did you say this chap turns it, like, all the way off to get a cleaner sound, or is that more his plexi kind of sound? No, not more. Not all more of a plexi sound. There's still drive in there, and you'll realize when you turn the gain down that even when you're at 9 o'clock or something, there is a lot of gain. Yep. But, yeah. I really should have set this up so that when I went to the screenshots, it actually had my face in the little circle there, huh? (laughs) I thought you'd be talking more uh, as I was doing it there, but it doesn't make sense for you to be talking while I'm playing because nobody will hear you. (laughs) Exactly. What does the boost do on this one then? So. Okay, so earlier you said that the boost function does different for um, for each channel, and yep. I'm hearing that on some of the. It was either the clean or the crunch. It actually added a bit more of a a mid-range hump as a tube screamer style pedal would but Mm -hmm. it's not doing it on this ultra it's just giving you more gain without more gain exactly yeah just and less less of a volume boost yeah you know what the each I'm going to ask you this, whether I'm making stuff up, but as I'm turning the um, treble right up there, I didn't have it showing up. I'm just going to do that again. Um, let me go to this. I just cranked the treble there, and that's scooping the mids. I can hear the, the mids pulling out of it. So, And it's actually a different frequency range to what we had um on the other channels. So is that what uh, they've got happening here? Is it, am I getting too in-depth? For each channel, is the EQs affecting different parts of the frequency range? Do you know if yeah, that's something that all, it is? Yeah, it's all, it's all a little bit different, yeah. Yeah, cool. Okay. So it's not like, um, yeah, a standard amplifier where you're stuck with, oh, this tone stack sounds like this amp or this tone stack sounds like this. The tone stack changes from each channel. That's exactly. kind of cool. That's kind of cool. 
I like that. Uh, what I was going to say is that as I'm turning that treble right up, let me just go to that. I like that because that's actually smoothing out my mids without adding too much narkiness to it. Rich, I like it. I like it. Good. Can I have one? Oh, I've already got one. No. Send Can it I back. Stick one in my suitcase. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to turn it off now, so just in case it's bringing any uh, audio buzz into my system, because uh, I, I didn't ideally set that up. I had it so that it's coming out of one interface, out of the headphone, out and stuff, but it still sounded pretty cool. And I went, I'm going to run I, I with actually, that. I can't wait to watch the video back and actually hear what it sounded like. I've been yeah, because you're just hearing ambient just spill. Hearing the ambient yeah. noise, yeah. Yeah, of this, yeah. Uh, cool. Is there anything I didn't touch on that with then, Rich? I mean, I think we went through pretty much everything on the amp that there is to look at, the main features anyway. Yeah. Um, let me just have a look at the amp on my screen here, see if we've forgotten everything. No, we, we've basically gone through everything. I mean, from creating presets to using the amp as a more kind of standard four-channel thing, it, it's all there. Mm, I mean, mm. the one thing we haven't said is that you can take the settings that you've used there and transfer them to a live setting, no problem at all. Yep. You know, th yep. Those presets that you've made there will transfer into a live venue perfectly. Yeah. So I didn't actually save anything there, and, and it, it said Modern Crunch across the top the whole time. Uh, that's because that was the name of the, the preset that I went into and started messing with. Uh, but um, I could have saved each one of those as I was going along and created presets as I was going. Um, Tap tempo, is that per preset or is that global? So what I was saying, if you save the, the delay um, for your clean sound, is that then going to be the same if you turn on the delay in your lead sound? Or you get what I'm saying? Like is it a global tap tempo or per preset? No, it's like if you, um, if you have a delay saved in a preset, the next time you recall that preset, it will be at that tap tempo. At that one. Okay, so it's not global, exactly. it's per preset. Cool, cool. Per preset, does, yeah. Does the tap tempo, I, I see it that it's actually embedded in the little section of the delay there, so that doesn't actually uh, affect the modulation effects, does it? No. No. It doesn't, no. But, you know, if we see that in future revisions, then they're going to call it the, the hallucinator after me for suggesting it. <laughs> writing it down right now <laughs> I need to come up with a better name than that the holosonic the holosonic switch or something or um, the rickhead <laughs> uh, cool cool Rich thank you so much for taking me through that mate anything you want to touch on we got any questions for Richard um, from anybody is anyone still watching yes there's people in there and we got a couple. We got a couple. As I said, mate, a lot of these get views after the fact. I'm just going to have a quick scan through the comments which I have in front of me uh, that we haven't missed anything. See, I was so informed um, with your conversation there, mate, that I wasn't actually taking note of the, the chat tonight. But Gabor came and went and said hello, goodbye. And it, it, like I said, it's all, the, it's all our European friends in there. Uh, Gabor, well, he's European via Australia, or is it the other way? Australian via Europe. Uh, 
Mo wants to know, Rich, which amp do you play? Which amp do I play? Well, yeah. at the moment, I do play a Black Spirit 200. I actually have a combo. Um, I love the combo because I've always been about kind of a one amp that does everything solution thing. Okay. I went through a big phase where I didn't want to carry heads and cabs around, that kind of stuff. And the Black Spirit 200 combo has this Teela small cabinet construction, and it has a beautiful UK-made Celestian cream back in it, which sounds fantastic. Really? So there's literally everything I could want in one package there. Um, in terms of which amp have I played the most over the past few years, it's actually a Yamaha THR. That, that was my practice amp for a long time. I still use it at home. It's it's great. Yeah. What type of music yeah. do you get into personally, mate? I'm going I'm I'm to drop the – we've done the H&K talk there. I want to know about Richard Morgan. What type of music do you get into personally? Fascinating topic. I would say at the moment I'm in a sort of folk punk direction. So my favorite bands at the moment are bands like uh, Brian Fallon, Gaslight Anthem, Nada Surf, that kind of stuff. Really? Okay. Yeah. So Guitar Heroes, that kind of stuff has never really been my thing. I remember when I was getting into guitar kind of when I was 10 or 12 or whatever. I was a massive ACDC fan back then. I still love classic rock. But I never really got into Angus. I was all about the Malcolm holding that rhythm down. Yeah. And that's been my thing ever since. That's funny. I probably should have learned to shred when I was a kid because now it's too late, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. But no, mate, 90% um, of the gig is playing rhythm guitar. And if it's you rhythm, can recognize exactly. that, yeah. yeah, yeah. I always have that little joke that usually the faster somebody bases they're playing on, the worse likely you would be to try and hire them to sit in or play on your record unless you were that way orientated because they generally suck at rhythm guitar. But um, I'm with you, Malcolm Young. One, it's really fascinating with, with the ACDC brothers. Malcolm's sound is very awe. Or lower mids, whereas Malcolm uh, Angus has got the he he, the upper mids a he. Yeah. Combine those. It, when yeah, you com it meshes so well. You get or and e at the same time, and that we it <laughs> fills the whole <laughs> spectrum, doesn't it? You know, it's impossible to make that sound both sounds at the same time. Um, but actually, when I interviewed Bob Spencer a couple of weeks ago, and he's the guy from Roast Tattoo that, that I mentioned, who's coming back. This I'm going to see if he can change it from Tuesday to, to Monday, but I have got him slated for this coming Tuesday. He referred to his sound as gonk, and that was what he searches for in a scene. He's got no gonk or something. It was I think that was the word. Uh, but the way he said it, I just looked at him and said, and I know exactly what you're talking about. That's a war. Yeah. Uh, anything there? We saw the bring back the big tube. I did see that. It said there was a slight echo in your voice, and that's probably me not wearing headphones, so I do apologize, and I wish I had saw that earlier because I could have actually turned you down a bit, but nobody said anything. Um, we want to see Rich's pedal board and guitar collection. Now, you're at the office today, aren't you? So, oh, you got uh, some guitars behind home. you there. Yeah, i got a couple behind. I'm all sort of cabled up. We might have to do another video where I'm not cabled up so I can show that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. My number one guitar is my telly over in the back corner there. Which we can't see. Can, can you shall I shall I uncable myself and take the headphones off and go get it or hang on mate, actually my screen no, I can see it. I can see it. I just had my screen. Can you see it? Yeah, yeah, I actually can. It's a blue one, yeah. Yeah, it's actually um it 
it's, it's a Mexican Telecaster. It was a Fender Special run. It's about five or six years old. I got it brand new. I tested a load of different guitars. I've always been sort of a telly sort of a fan. I love the aggression of the bridge pickup. I love the fact that you can do everything with them. And I tried this one and it was it was perfect. So you don't Sorry. always need to buy a more expensive guitar. Uh, the, the only modification I've got on it is um, I've stuck a wide range humbucker in the neck by a UK brand called The Creamery. Fantastic sort of low gain vintage sounding humbucking pickup in the neck. Lovely. Nice, nice. So we were talking about Malcolm Young and being such a great rhythm player. Uh, when I see a Telecaster with a, a humbucker in the neck in the neck position like that, I instantly think Keith Richards. Um, yeah. Who again is one of the other greatest rhythm guitarists of all time, just the way he can push and pull the rhythms of that band. Um, I have never owned a Telecaster with a with a, a humbucker in the bridge. Um, I never owned a, a Telecaster until it sounds like forever, like ten years ago, and and it's like, well, that's a long time ago. But I've been playing guitar since the late '80s, so it's a recent acquisition. I've got one back there somewhere. Fender Richie Kotzen. This is all backwards to me. Let's see if I can do this. That guy there. <laughs> no, Whoa, other way. That, now you see, you're not seeing. You're seeing a different camera, mate. But that guy there. Oh. Yeah, that's a. Um, Fender Richie Kotzen, and it wasn't until I actually got that that I realized that one of the sounds I was chasing for the longest time, and I was trying to get out of a Strat, was the Telecaster middle position. That's that great yeah. rhythm guitar sound. And because of that, my guitars actually have a switch so that I can, I've got to hide my face or else it's going to try and um, focus on me. That switch there, I can actually turn the neck position on so that I can get the bridge and middle positions at the same time. Not 100% there, but it's uh, that ballpark Telecaster sound. And ever since I brought that onto my guitars, cover band gigs, I find I use that a lot for that that jangly rhythm guitar, the, the fake Telecaster sound. Yeah. Telecasters, they're, they're surprisingly versatile guitars. They are, before I they? played them, I, th I thought they would be incredibly boring, and I thought they would not be for me, but it's kind of like, yeah, they're so simple, but they can do so much. And it was the very first mass-produced electric guitar. I mean, yeah. Leo Fender. Yeah, he got it right first time, didn't they? Yeah, some people say, I always used to say um, he got it right the second time with the Stratocaster before I, I got that. And I still am a Strat guy. Um, I was always a very skinny lad when I was a, a teenager learning to play guitar and anything with just a, a hard edge on it really hurt. It dug into my, my ribs and my forearms, and uh, which is why I go for the contours of a Strat. But um, I've got an interview up on my channel with uh, studio legend uh, Louis Shelton, which um, geez, that's had over 115, 120,000 views now. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that we I had a, a 1952 Telecaster here, an original, and um, Louis had told me that his first ever guitar was an original 52, which he got in 52. Um, so Louis, I, I think I mentioned him to you. He's he's played on all the stuff from the Monkees. That was his first gig through to. Um, Jackson 5, Lionel Richie, all these huge stuff. It, like every time I go to the grocery store, I'm sitting there walking around going, man, he's on every second song that's playing in the, in the shops. It's, it's funny. 
I didn't tell him I had it here and I sprung it on him and then the conversation flowed from that. It was, it's a great video worth checking out. But when I said that um, I, th I thought Leo got it right the second time, he sort of looked at me and said, second time? No, man, I, he got it right the first time, I think. And um, yeah, in the hands of a master, it, it does sing. Funnily <laughs> enough, you said that you can cover a lot of bases with the Telecaster. Uh, yeah. There's an Australian progressive uh, metal band called Dead Letter Circus. And I had their guitar player on in one of my first live chats and he's using a Telecaster and I was asking him, oh, you got some high gain super duper pickups in it or something? No, nah, it's just the, the stock Fender ones and he's cutting it yeah. for the metal and that. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. What else you got behind you there, mate? Anything worth pointing out? I see a bunch of pedals. Can you see them down there? Yeah, they're not attached to the board. I'm in between boards. Um, okay. So... Just can waiting the, for that the moment when you are bored. they're looking at it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'd say the, the three or four favorites that are on there would be the, the Wampler Pantheon, which is kind of a, a blues breakery sort of game pedal. Mm -hmm. I actually spend a lot of time on my Black Spirit as a, as a clean platform. I use a lot of pedals. Yep. Um, then we've got the Bogner Lagrange, Lagrange, if you want to call it that for a bit more game. <laughs> there is a, a UK-built Klon next to it on the left. I, I hope you guys can actually see this. We, we can bit. see it back there, yeah. Um, the white one in the middle is an Empress ecosystem, which does all the delay stuff and more that I could ever, ever need. A lot of analog delay, very nice, very warm. And the other favorite at the moment is up in the top left corner there. That is a Source Audio Collider, which is a, a delay reverb. It has the most popular algorithms from their, their Ventress and from their... Other one, the name of which I can't remember. Maybe someone in the comments. Knows we'll call it, it Bill. Bill. We, we now the name Bill. it Bill. Yeah. 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 yeah that's some favorites. pretty boutiquey kind of stuff um, that you got yeah, there. Yeah, I've actually deliberately named the most expensive pedals on there. There's also a, a Joe YouTube Screamer, a couple of TC pedals, uh, a flashback delay, and a sub and up Octava is on there, and a compressor. There's a Polytune and a Dodd. Carcosa fuzz pedal, which cool. I'm going to swap out. I think, yeah. yeah. But yeah. recently, I've I've come across another thing, a big thing, which is going to go on that board and is going to change the whole thing. But I'm not allowed to tell you what it is yet, for reasons that you'll find out over the next few months. Sure, sure. So uh, Gabor is actually saying, just looking at the the comments there. Um, in fact, in case we have anybody who doesn't know who we keep talking about, Gabor, he is from the Super Fun Awesome Happy Time Pedal Show. I got it right, yay! Because I had to read it. Gabor, you know you can change that, right? <laughs> Call it the Gabor and Alex show. Go on, go on. Um, Gabor's saying he's been getting into wide range pickups lately. Great sounding pickups, wide range. If you're still there, Gabor, is that the, the brand name or are you saying pickups that have a wide range? <laughs> uh, it's, to, it's, it's that Fender humbucker that you see on the Tele Deluxe. Oh, okay. Because I just read... Pieces, you've got like... Three pole pieces out on uh, the base yes, side. I know exactly what you're side. saying. Yep, yep. I, I don't know anything about the specific technical stuff yep. or the magic behind them, but I, I don't know. They have they have a great feel and response about them for me as well. Yeah. I just had a, of course, dickhead moment as soon as you said that because those are cool wide range pickups. Uh, got really tight with the third guitar. He got it right. He got it really right with the third guitar, the Jazzmaster. Yeah, also true. Also true. You like you like those? I'm a big Offset fan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I need yeah. to get one. Yeah. It's next on my list. 
<laughs> I I haven't spent much time on them. I don't remember ever playing one live or in a live situation or spending any time on one. Except wrapping my head hand around one in a music store and going, oh, that feels different without actually pulling it off the uh, rack. So I'm going to have to give one a go. Yeah, I think they're the kind of guitar that they're sort of specific to certain genres. You know, a Strat or a Tele or a Les Paul, you can basically do anything with. Yeah. But with a Jazzmaster or a Jaguar, it's like you instantly want to play the Smiths, indie stuff, post-rock, ambient noodling, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I don't think they will do stuff like metal or anything like that. Yeah. Maybe Gabor can uh, correct me on that, but I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Gabor did say that he is, because he's an Austrian-Australian. Hey, that has a ring about it. Gabor, the Austrian-Australian. Man, he was our <laughs> saving grace uh, uh, a couple of times at dinner in Germany there, being able to translate translate what types of schnitzel were on offer for us because yeah exactly That's it was all schnitzel and chips <laughs> <laughs> so you you speak german fluently yeah yeah i yep. do it was, yep. it was actually really weird because when i met gabor for the first time we were talking in german oh, really? and i had no idea that he also could i just assumed because he sounds so australian on the show but then the, the name Gabor, I always thought, well, that's, there must be some kind of ancestry thing in there. And I think he has maybe this Hungarian in there somewhere too. No, Austrian. Yeah, he, Austrian. He, he just said before, he's the Austrian-Australian. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you said he sounds very Australian. So To me, um, Gabor sounds quintessential Australian. I don't think so at all. Because neither of my parents are Australian. I'm a... I'm a uh, a first generation Australian and um, some people get that mixed up they think I mean convict era but no first generation means I'm the first generation of my family um, born in Australia most Aussies talk like this eh? and they got this really bad thing going on now where they all fucking talk like this and even the news readers and that you cut to a news story and they're going yeah right mate yeah I was down there I was checking this stuff out and I'm just like when the fuck did you guys start talking like that? Like, when I was watching TV in the 70s, the Australian TV presenters were really well-spoken and um, almost sound English. I remember, the, yeah, the quintessential Aussie blokes back then, Brian Brown, um, Jack Thompson, by today's standards, almost sound English. So Gabor has got that well-spoken Aussie thing going on. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which I think is desirable oh, look, on the international front. It's a Hungarian name. It's a Hungarian Thank name. You, well, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. I, I remembered one thing from 42 Gear Street as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a, a great good. thing uh, that, that Henning put on. Um, Henning does a lot behind the scenes that people probably aren't aware of, right, in organising all these kinds of things. And um, I, I, I take my hat off to the guy, mate. I've got him actually on the show. What day is it today? We are Wednesday. I've got him on Friday. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, so that will that will be your longest one yet. That's that's the one thing I can say. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to pick well, his based brains. on his normal videos. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a that's the one thing I I don't sit around watching long videos he's very good at those but i'm more into bang give it something to me sell it to me in five minutes um and i didn't even know he had animals at the end until a lot longer down the road until i actually watched one to the end and he went yeah as usual um but i'm gonna pick his brains because a lot of people think that being a guitar youtuber is just give me that guitar 
oh, next, give me that one. And they don't understand the amount of editing and organization that goes on behind the scenes. So it'd be good to talk to him just to show people that it's not um, just sitting around playing guitar all day. <laughs> Far from. No, Henning in particular is like, he's a hard worker. Absolutely. Like, I, I think seven days a week, he's, he's on his game, you know. Mm. There is a video every day. They're long videos. I mean, obviously, the switching is done live, but he has to edit them. The production values that he has are also massive. Yeah, absolutely. I think he, he, he has a better studio than most of the TV channels in Germany in his, in his basement. It's, uh, it's crazy. I, um, but, you know, Henning does everything a thousand percent. It's like it's not worth doing it well. You've got to be the best. And that, that's yep. his way of doing things. That's yep. right. That's Love right. him or hate him. Yep. 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 And it's funny. Um, I remember talking to uh, Philip McKnight when we were over there. And he was saying that his most popular videos are ones that he's shot with a GoPro stuck to his forehead as he's doing stuff. And that he doesn't care about whether it's 4K or any of that kind of stuff. He goes, it doesn't matter, man. It's about the, the content. Um, and i got to say, I mentioned the, the interview with Louis that I did, which is, had 110,000, 120,000 views and, and rising. That was done on my iPhones, um, a couple of iPhones, which half of them ran out of battery halfway into it. And I've had a couple of people go, oh, geez, your cameraman should have been shot at the end. It's like, mate, there's only one camera left. And I wasn't about to interrupt the guy telling me these great stories to say, oh, let's just uh, fix this. But um, now Henning stuff's always top-notch quality. Everything's 4K. And uh, I know just on stuff that I, I've done there, he's like, too much ambient noise in the background. Why, why, why didn't you cut that out? Why didn't you cut that out? It's like, oh, I didn't think it mattered. But um, <laughs> yeah, he's definitely one to cross the T's and dot the I's. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. He, he has his own thing. And, and he is Henning. As Gabor has just written, nothing Henning does is normal. Yeah. And I think that sums him up extremely well. I got to say, it was such a spin out when I actually walked into that studio for the first time. It's one thing to see it, but when you walk into a place like that and see it in 3D, that was the big trip out. I remember sitting in the couch at the back of the room. It's a lot deeper. It's twice the depth that I thought it was going to be, his room. Um, and then I can just remember looking around and just spinning out going, there's that rack of amplifiers, but I'm seeing it in three dimensions right there. This is weird, yeah. you know. Um, great studio. Great guy. Um Richard, anything else you want to touch on? Is there anybody that has any questions for us before we wound things up? Because I've kept you for a long time, mate. You've, um, you've probably got places to go. and I've got to go back to work, unfortunately. As rock and roll as this has been, I've got to go back to answering emails and uh, talking to people on Facebook. All the, all the fun stuff that actually is work. The job, yeah. yeah. The job, there is yeah. that too, yeah, yeah. Well, it beats uh, lugging bricks for a living, mate. You know, you're working with the guitar company and everything. A, a guitar amp company. Could be worse, couldn't it? It could be worse, What absolutely. we get to do, it could be an awful lot worse. Yeah. yeah. Richard, I must thank you so much for your time. Folks, have I got an audience here? <laughs> Richard Morgan, Hughes and Kettner, thank you very much. People, thank you. Where am I looking? I'm down here. See you on the flip side.